with uh, Zencaster's new look here. I know. That's one reason I had to... <laughs> it was a little late. I had to navigate the new Zencaster, <laughs> which is in dark mode now. Ooh, wow. And even though I'm on my laptop, it's very important that it's in dark mode. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. It's, Does anybody do this on their phone? I, <laughs> like, I don't... It did, did, yeah, does anyone do this on their phone at 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah. where dark mode is like necessary? Everybody, I thought, I see, I still have light mode on everything, but somebody remarked the other day, like, you don't use light mode on, or you don't use dark mode on everything. They were surprised my phone was always on light mode. I thought everyone was on dark <laughs> mode all the time. Yeah, is I'm, that not uh, the case? I'm, I'm on dark mode for pretty much everything. Yeah, um, I think the only thing I'm on light, well, my. My phone setting is on dark mode, which uh, changes the setting for most of my apps, but I can still switch uh, light and dark mode for, like, individual apps if I want to, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that you can override the just overall theme of the phone when you want to. But yeah, someone remarked. It's just one of the many archaic things that I do. I just will. I, I don't <laughs> mind light mode. I like MS Paint. I write in Notepad. I just just every just bare bones. I just don't want anything special. I don't want any special <laughs> formatting or themes or anything. I just want it all simple because uh, I'm a grumpy old man. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But it's not like Word is new you know <laughs> like i could use something i could use something <laughs> newer but i just I'll, I'll format it later let me just get it on let me just get it down so now we're in we're not even doing an episode right now i don't know if you know that ted this is not an episode we're in a room and uh so now there's rooms and i guess from the room comes an episode and there was something called playground earlier like what? The, the name of the show is playground i have no idea i don't know <laughs> again i didn't want this I wanted the most bare-bones Zencaster they had, but I'll try to explore all these features later. Okay. I, I, I thought you you had me scared there for a second that I watched the wrong thing. You're like, we aren't doing no. a show. We're doing a movie. I'm like, oh, fuck. I watched the wrong thing. <laughs> no, no. this is We're now in a Zencaster oh. room recording an episode called Playground or something like that. Or recording a show called Playground. I don't know That's when. Weird. I don't know where the episode comes in, but... There are now rooms and shows and episodes, and I don't. Okay. I, and so I don't know why. I don't know what. Do you, Do you have to like <laughs> hit something for us to start the the episode? No, there's. I don't see any buttons on on my end over here. We're okay. We're just all dark. Okay. <laughs> well, then what's you can you can choose to start a room, a show, or an episode. I think you have to start a room. I don't, okay. I don't think you can start an episode. I don't know how you designate the difference between an episode and a room. I just called this room episode 197, and then we'll figure out from there what okay. happens, I guess, we're, <laughs> once we're, we're done just, recording. We'll just hope this isn't uh, another long-lost episode. Yeah, because, yeah. Because it's uh, lost somewhere in the playground. Yeah. They're like, oh, you forgot to record the room. You were just in the room. You didn't record it. You didn't do an episode. That's in the, yeah, that's lost to the playground. <laughs> oh. I'm sure that's exactly something they pull as they roll out something new like this. But I guess since we are getting started late, uh, should we get going? Might as well, yeah. All right, because we got back. To, it's back to school time, and we got a, a back to school meet and greet uh, Ooh, that we have to boy. leave for. I think around like six thirty or something like that. So I think nice. we'll get through it though. Is that uh, is that open house? 
No, that that comes a little bit later. This is okay. like just meeting the teacher, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or two teachers now that we have. Oh, yeah, that's right. Kids going to school. Yep. So welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching curb your enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy, and I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about season three, episode three, Club Soda and Salt. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, the Benadryl Brownie? First, we wanted to know what is the deal with Christian science and people who are Christian scientists. Uh, Without getting too far into it, Christian science is a set of beliefs and practices associated with members of the First Church of Christ, comma, scientist. And I've heard that referred to, I think it's like (laughs) Church of Christ, the scientist. Some people put a the in there. There was probably a there's probably a war of some sort between the two sects. No, it's just Christ scientists. No, it's Christ the scientists. And then they killed each other's families for a hundred years before they said before the homicide won, I guess. Yeah, or, or then you uh, you have the uh, the people who are like, yeah, it's the Church of Christ scientists. <laughs> yeah, people who put the emphasis in the wrong spot. Yeah, the em- put the emphasis in the sacrilegious spot. <laughs> Um, so it was founded in the 19th century in New England by Mary Baker Eddy, who wrote the 1875 book Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, which outlined the theology of Christian science. It became the central text, I guess, besides the Bible uh, of the religion. And by 2001, had sold over nine million copies. The Mother Church was built in Boston, Massachusetts in 1894. And Christian science became the fastest growing religion in the U.S. with nearly 270,000 members by 1936. By 1990, that number was over 100,000. Wait, I'm sorry. That made it sound like it was more. That number declined to 100,000. I didn't do that for comedic effect. I really misread my notes. (laughs) Wait a minute. It shouldn't have gone up. No, it it, uh, was the fastest growing, but then I guess pretty quickly declined. By 2009, reportedly... The members were under fifty thousand. Oh, jeez! So, yeah, as of uh, as of two thousand and nine, you said. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know where they stand right now, but it, they probably just stopped reporting. Like, stop asking, please. Like, and look, join the church. A, it, it's just getting getting embarrassing now. Please, uh, just uh, come come hang out with us. Yeah, but it, it's kind of weird to decline so much because the church is known for its newspaper, the Christian Science Monitor, which has won several Pulitzer prizes. Uh, the most recent, I think, in two thousand two. And for those public reading rooms around the world that I mentioned, I think there's one uptown, like in in our little little township that we live in here near Pittsburgh, hmm. like the Christian Science Reading Room. I see them everywhere, and so the fact that the church still keeps like dwindling in numbers, but those reading rooms stay open, is uh, kind of weird. the The key differences between Christian Science theology and traditional Christianity is that philosophical idealism, believing that reality is purely spiritual. And the material world is an illusion, which sounds pretty cool. Uh, you know, it sounds like something a drunk girl would say, like at <laughs> two a.m. Like, no, the 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 reality is an illusion. It's just spiritual. Like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, how did I get into this conversation? But that does include <laughs> the view that disease is a mental error rather than a physical disorder, and that the sick should be treated not by medicine but by a form of prayer that seeks to correct the beliefs responsible for the illusion of ill health. So how about that? Like, it doesn't even go as far as like my physical body is sick and this prayer will solve. It's like, no, my physical body doesn't exist. 
and the prayer <laughs> is going to reboot the system that made me think it is. Oh my sick. god. I know. It like goes even deeper than we thought it did just like or that most people thought it did like so that's something that i learned from from this little uh, shallow dive now this was interesting though the church doesn't require that christian scientists avoid medical care you can go to the dentist of course like we didn't even consider this when we were uh when we just sort of breezed over it in, in the last episode you can of course wear glasses you know you can go to obstetricians when you break your bone you can put a cast on it um and you can get vaccinated when required by law how about that? Hmm. Uh, but it maintains that Christian science prayer is most effective when not combined with medicine. So that's very passive aggressive. <laughs> oh. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, you it, can take it, but the prayer's not going to work. <laughs> you, you can take this thing that'll actually scientifically help you, but then your <laughs> prayer's not going to work. Oh, no. Yeah. What are we going to do without our prayers? I always hated that like you know especially with the anti-vaxxers i'm like who are you to say that god didn't create this doctor who created this vaccine for you to take like who do you who do you think you are that you know god's will and you know that he would not want you to take this vaccine like i I don't understand (laughs) that level of i don't know cognitive dissonance whatever you want to call it their brains would just absolutely explode if you i guess so like what yeah it's like, how do you know God didn't tell the government to get you to take this vaccine? How do, how do you know? I want to, you know, and then it's like, well, it's, it's in the Bible that I didn't read. Like, okay, well, that's definitely going to be the answer, I'm sure. Um, most controversially, the reliance on prayer and avoidance of medical treatment has been blamed for the deaths of several adherents and their children. Severe bummer there. Uh, between the 1880s and 1990s, parents and others were prosecuted for and in a few cases convicted of manslaughter or neglect. So uh, for not giving, uh, you know, people medicine when it could have saved their lives and instead just praying. So pretty interesting there. Uh, And that's really, you know, if you want to know more about Christian science, you can find out more. (laughs) But we were really interested in just the no medicine aspect of it. But uh, so pretty interesting. What about that medicine brownie? Would a Benadryl brownie actually be viable? I went to the... Most reliable medical source on the internet, Reddit. Nice. <laughs> and to the subreddit RDPH, which is the diphenhydramine subreddit, as the sidebar says, <laughs> mainly about the recre- recreational use of DPH, which is an antihistamine found in Benadryl, Nitol, allergy medicine, stuff like that. And most of the de- degenerates in that sub agree it could be done. But the brownies would taste awful. And I think recreational Benadryl users would would be, honestly, in this case, the people who'd be telling the truth about it. It would be gritty. It would be salty. There'd be pill residue. I don't know about using, you know, say, the um, the liquid pills that I don't know. And I don't know how much DPH they have in them. But everyone agreed that, you know, it, it, it would taste pretty bad. And the package for Benadryl, another website pointed out, it says to keep it at 68 to 77 degrees for safety. So I don't know what I don't know what that does to it when you store it at, at a temperature higher than 77 degrees. I mean, like if you left it in your car or something, I wouldn't think it'd go bad. But um, that actually that info was pointed out by DogTreatKitchen.com from somebody who asked if their dog who needs two Benadryl three times a day what oh the hell God. is he allergic to dogs? Jesus what the hell Christ. can a dog is he, eat that? Is much? he allergic to himself? Is he allergic to fucking air? <laughs> Is he allergic to being awake? <laughs> like, who needs two Benadryl three times a day? 
and, and that they were like, hey, he won't eat the meds. Can I make little dog treats and hide meds in the middle or, or cook it in or something like that? And and so um, the, that was the person who asked about, like, you know, the capsule melting being an issue. And, and they pointed out that, you know, you're not supposed to store it at higher than 80 degrees. I don't know why. Interestingly enough, though, three teens were treated at Cook's Children's in Fort Worth, Texas, not too far from you, I'm guessing, in May... May of this year, 2022, after overdosing on DPH, aka Benadryl, and in each of the each of the patients said they got the idea from videos on TikTok that claimed users could get high and hallucinate if you took a dozen or more of the allergy pills. Oh my so, god! So trying to get high on DPH is is currently trending on TikTok. Interestingly enough, I don't think <laughs> I don't know if they've gone as far as brownies though. But if you want the views. You know, go for the content is right there for you. <laughs> I made a one brownie with twelve Benadryl pills in it <laughs> <laughs> for you, Paige. Yeah, but but it's interesting. This reminded me that I remember my like it wasn't for fun or anything like that. But when I I worked traffic, I had to like get up at three in the morning and drive to like where I where I reported traffic for Washington D.C. Sometimes drove around, sometimes you know at a computer or something like that, and in order to go to sleep at like six or seven o'clock because I wasn't, and, and sometimes I'd work a weird split shift where I, the, that shift would end at like 11 and then I'd have to be back for afternoon rush hour at like two or three in the afternoon or something like that and, and get a little nap in between. My sleep schedule was like so fucked up. And I was like, well uh, now, you know, I took a little nap in the middle of the day and now I'm awake, wake and I want to go back to sleep. I want to go to sleep at like seven or eight so I can wake up at a good time or, or even nine or something like that. And my buddy told me like that prescription strength, Benadryl or, or sleeping pills or whatever. They're just DHP or something like that. So I was, I started taking like four Benadryl at a time and that's the most that I ever did. But I would do that like, you know, almost every night I would take like four Benadryl in order to go to sleep. Jesus Christ, I know, Tim. I know. And I didn't think it was a problem because I was like, oh, well, this is what a doctor would prescribe, like, which is basically what my buddy told me. <laughs> He was like, yeah, you can take, you know, essentially he was like, you can take as many, as much drugs as you want. You know, it's like, no one's going to stop you. You know, it's like, like prescription strength acetaminophen is just like three Tylenol or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not a doctor. Don't take three Tylenol. But like, I was like, oh yeah. I was like, so wait four. I, I assumed, I always assumed that anything more than what was written on the over the counter package would kill me. And so I was like, wait a minute, I can take. I can take four and it won't kill me. He promised it wouldn't kill me. And it didn't. And it put me right, it knocked me right out dead. Jesus and I, Christ. And I stopped doing it when one night my, I, I couldn't get to sleep because my arm would not go to sleep. I, I know that sounds weird. And it was weird. I was like, oh, my entire body is tired. Like I was tired, but my arm was, I had like Jimmy arm or something like that. Just one arm like wouldn't go to sleep. And I was like so mad at my arm because it wasn't tired. And it was like keeping me awake, like <laughs> like thing from the Adams family with the full arm. And uh, and that's when I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll back off on the Benadryl chaser at the end of the night <laughs> to, uh, to send me down. Yeah. So uh, I guess Benadryl brownie. And there were stories on the sub of, of a guy who like cooked some cupcakes with Benadryl or, or DPH or whatever. And his parents ate a bunch of them and started tripping or something. It sounds like an urban legend, but it, you know, it, it, uh, people were bringing it up in this subreddit. I, I'm going to, I'm going to guess myth plausible, you know, that okay. you, you could, it, it sounds plausible to me that it could work and not cook out. And you could actually dose somebody with a Benadryl brownie, <laughs> unless somebody wants to prove us wrong. Please let me know. <laughs> uh, speaking of the brownie, I just found, uh, this little tidbit that I, 
just had to mention when Larry Sherrill, Richard Lewis, and his girlfriend are eating brownies, the number of brownies on the tray switches between seven and five several times. Oh God! So I guess that's what happens. Yeah, when you when you're just kind of running and gunning like this show does with the with the shots. Uh, so all right, that's all, all of trivia and tidbits. Let us now consult the book. Please rise. We only have one little in this episode segment uh, bullet point here, and it is that. But I think you're gonna like it. It's that John Heyman, who plays Chef Randy in this episode and the and the and the one we're gonna talk about today, I guess, was the voice of Bubble Boy in Seinfeld. Oh my wow. god! That's the awesome. Face of Bubble Boy, I know. <laughs> oh, you know what? That reminds me too. So speaking of the book, you know, we've been talking about all the alternate um, cover art and stuff that HBO has picked, like that didn't exist in the show or really just on the first episode. And in the book, let me send this to you, Ted. There is a picture of Richard Lewis and Larry David talking over Deborah's bedside. And it is a picture of Deborah. And oh she's like, God. not, I know. And she's not made up at all or anything. Obviously I'll just send it to you. Like it's, I don't know why this is maybe this is an alternate angle or maybe just a continuity shot from the set or something like that. But I just sent it to you and and you can see like they didn't they didn't do anything. They didn't. I know they didn't make her face gigantic (laughs) or anything like that. It's literally just anything to her. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it it makes sense because like they knew they weren't going to show her on camera. But like, yeah. So where's who's taking this photo? Where what is going on here? I guess it's just a behind the scenes shot. I okay. haven't really taken notice of the pictures on these pages. Um, you just assumed so, they were probably all yeah. photos from the episode until yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. And, anyway. I, and I think they have been. Like, I'm flipping through, and and I don't see anything <laughs> out of the ordinary. But that one caught my eye. I was like, wait, wait a second. That's her face. She's in bed. So, we don't see yeah. her face. We don't see her face <laughs> after the after the brownies. Yeah, so I, I have no idea. But maybe we'll, I'll tell you brownies, what. We'll, you know what I mean. We'll tweet that out when this, uh, yeah, we'll tweet that out when this episode uh, comes out. So what were they thinking from the what they were thinking uh, uh, portion of the book? Richard Lewis says, Larry and I were standing outside the front door of the house we were shooting in, having a real argument about so- about all sorts of personal stuff. I was name calling other people, and I forgot that if you don't turn off your mic, everyone in the sound department hears you. As I walked into the scene, my eyes fell on the TV monitor, and I realized everyone had heard me. So Larry and I took this high energy anger and made it part of the scene. When I finally saw the cut, I was ecstatic. It's mind-blowing for me to be able to be in a show where you can be so true to your own feelings. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, John Heyman, who played Chef Randy, says, Larry called me up and said, I have this part, but I want you to audition for it. So I go in, and I'm waiting to audition, and there was a very funny, very talented actor there called Grant Heslov. We were outside talking, and they called me in, and I said, and I was being really completely honest, I'm not trying to talk myself out of a job, but you've got Grant Heslov out there. Why are you bothering with me? And they said, perfect, you've got the job. That's exactly what this character is. The whole point is that the chef quits because he's insecure about his abilities. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. And a spoiler that's alert incredible. for this coming up. Yeah, but <laughs> that's pretty funny. And Richard Lewis said, for this episode, I was faxing and calling and bothering the shit out of Larry because I was like, how can you not show what my girlfriend looks like? We were going back and forth on it. And even when we shot it, as funny as the show was, I hoped he wouldn't get heat from the audience, and lo and behold, I was wrong, and it dawned on me that using your imagination can work better. Larry's instincts are astonishing. So there's some reasoning behind why we didn't see Deborah's face in this episode. And 
we get a, a little Davidism space filler here in the book, and it says, Larry to the group, who is upset that he can't fix the TV. Why don't we all go upstairs and get under the covers and sob? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, just something funny Larry David said. And uh, that's all from the book. You may be seated. All right. Uh, do we have any other like newsworthy bits or anything? I, I do have to mention this, because this was really weird. So Sarah and I uh, watched The Bachelor, and... Mm-hmm. Um, they are, they were, if you've never watched the bachelor, when they get to this part of the the season where, and, um, they're down to like four, three or four guys, they do hometown dates. I think four guys get to do hometown (laughs) dates and they go to people's house, uh, you know, and they meet their family. So in this case, there's two bachelorettes and, uh, one went to this dude's house, um, Zach's house. And this actually, so we watched it on the first night and I was like falling asleep and I, I must've fallen asleep all through Zach's date. Because on the second night, we tried to watch the second half of the episode, and there's a scene with one of the Bachelorettes and a guy that sure looks and sounds like Patrick Warburton. And I was like, what the... And Sarah was like, oh, yeah, I guess you were asleep for that, but Zach... And I went back and watched it. So Zach shows up for his hometown. and He's like, hey, there's my mom and dad and my brother and my Aunt Marie and my Uncle Pat. And Uncle Pat is Patrick Warburton. (laughs) And they make nearly no reference of it, except at one point, Zach goes, he's just as funny as he is in all his shows and movies. And then he had this little, <laughs> this funny back and forth with Rachel at the end of the episode, where he even did a high five, you know, he's like, high five, you know, and he oh like, my just God. had a little jokey back and forth. And that's Uncle Pat is Patrick Warburton. <laughs> and he seems to be related like by blood to the family. I don't know if... I, I read somewhere, I was like, is he, he's got to be a blood relative because he has that really deep voice. And this guy, Zach, has a deep voice. And his dad has, like, that deep voice. And so I'm guessing that, um, well, you know what? He, he's, I think I read that it's his mom's brother. So he's not related on the dad's side. But but certainly the deep voice runs in, in the genes of, of the yeah. family, I guess. So, yeah, I tweeted out some of the memes that people were posting about it. Like, Kronk's puzzled look, you know, when Patrick Warburton shows up on The Bachelor. Like, what? <laughs> It's just it was just the most random thing uh, and very cool because they didn't dwell on it. He was just like a part of the part of the scenery, you know, and uh, but at the end, he had a little tidbit. So if you are a Bachelorette fan and you just want to watch that little tidbit, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I like that. And there's my Uncle Pat. Yeah, she's going to be my Uncle Pat. Now you say Patrick Warburton, who happens to be my uncle and a talented voice and TV and movie actor, (laughs) you know, Putty (laughs) from Seinfeld and countless other roles. Yeah, the tick. you know, Patrick Warburton from the Sony animated movie Open Season. Yeah, and not to mention B-Movie. As long as we're getting into animation, he could have said Patrick Warburton from B-Movie. So, yeah. I, I, so I, I could, I, I, but I, I feel like uh, or significantly, Zach I feel like significantly fewer people have seen the movie Open Season. Yeah. I remember liking Open Season. I remember thinking it was funny because um, Ashton Kutcher's a voice in that, right? I think so. I might that have to bring that right. back. I might have to watch that with the kids and see if it's as funny as I remember. I think it's like Ashton Kutcher and Martin Lawrence or something. Well, you know, we do have a Seinfeld connection with it. Oh, my gosh. I could make the kids <laughs> watch my homework. <laughs> what, what if we just go uh, like every other movie? We rotate between American sex comedy, children's <laughs> animated movie. American yeah, animated sex comedy, movie. children's animated movie. I think it's worth a shot. I think it's worth a shot. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, any, you got anything else? No, I think that's it. All right, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 24 minutes pre-edit being 
pretty much exclusively bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I have never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. Uh, have I been saying 20 years for these or, or 15 years? I think I 20 because you watched yeah. them when they came out, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, in the last 20 years. Uh, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at no hugging on Twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com. Like one person did, but that, we'll get to that in Lost in the Mail coming up at the end of the show. If you like us, if you want to give us a five star rating and a written review, please do so. Apple Podcasts and Spotify are the places that accept. Uh, ratings. Uh, I don't know if Spotify does written reviews or not, but Apple Podcasts sure does, and uh, it really does help out the show. It really helps us out. Um, so five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and five and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you like us a little bit more than just giving us the review, five bucks a month on Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash/NoHugging. The it's a Hyundai tier. We'll get you early access to every single episode that we release, including clipped content from just about every episode. There was only like one episode where we didn't clip it out, and it was because uh, I I think our episode was only 45 minutes, so clipping (laughs) anything out of that would have just been, you know, kind of cheapening the the full episode. Um, But that runs anywhere from like, Two minutes to 20 minutes. It was pretty long last week. <laughs> yeah, there was some stuff in there. And I always leave it up to you. I'm like, I'll just, if Ted wants to leave this, I'll just mark it. But I, you know, <laughs> I'm always fine with leaving anything. But, but sometimes I mark stuff and I'm like, yeah, that could probably go. But yeah, you know. I, uh, I, I pretty much go with uh, whatever you, whatever you suggest. Um, yeah. I, I did keep in one thing that you suggested last time because even with the one thing that I kept in, like I said, we were at 20 minutes of mm, yeah. of extra uh, clipped content. Yeah. But yeah, in addition to the early access, in addition to the clipped content, you also get, like we just mentioned, exclusive movie reviews. Uh, anywhere from like one to two a month just depends on uh, what Tim and I have got going on in any given month. But coming up, I believe, this week? Or no, as you're listening to this, it was posted this past week. We started our journey... On the exploration of American sex comedies with <laughs> Road Trip, which I've actually never seen before. Are you serious? Yeah. So I'm. We're, we're, I mean, we're, I, I knew we're that because we've already recorded. Prior to, <laughs> we're, we're recording this prior to uh, releasing, recording and releasing that. So, but I have not seen Road Trip yet. Wow. Well, I I want to save my reaction from. Uh, <laughs> For the actual podcast, but I'm shocked by that because that's something we always get into, like our our previous experience with the movie, and so that's uh, that's kind of surprising. But yeah, so but, but so again, I'm, not because you know I, I think it was you know like 2001 or something. So you, yeah, I, I was yeah. Uh, I was nine. <laughs> yeah, was yeah, de- definitely way too young to be watching <laughs> something like that. But probably into Tom Green, who factors a lot in Road Trip. So I would I would venture to say, were you into Tom Green? Do you think when you were nine? Not really, no. Oh, I think my, I think my dad was because uh, oh. my dad uh, watched the soup when Tom Green was hosting it. Yeah, and I I think he liked Tom Green. Um, I tried watching Freddie Got Fingered once, oh, and no. I felt I fell asleep. So I tried, and I I just had to turn it off like five minutes in just because it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely gotten yeah. cult 
status though so i don't know maybe that's one we have to tackle later all right well all that being said season three episode three club soda and salt original air date september 29th 2002 and if you were looking in tv guide that night you are gonna see larry jeff and ted scramble to find a new chef when randy quits following the peanut incident it's not bad it uh, there's a little more that happens as always they kind of pick one storyline to synopsize but we'll see if we can make it better at the end uh we open at home where larry comes in to find cheryl cracking up and cracking some brews with this dude named brad evidently after some tennis game and as brad leaves larry remarks that he's thinking about getting a hetero single woman to play golf with and uh cheryl is asking if he's jealous or whatever but larry says well, you know, I mean, like he's Brad's attracted to you. He wants to have sex with you. So, you know, of course, I have feelings about that. Cheryl disagrees. She thinks it's totally platonic and they're just tennis buddies. Uh, but Larry and so Larry kind of calls her bluff. And she's like, you know what? If you don't want me to play tennis with him, play tennis with me. And he's like, OK. And so <laughs> they're going to play tennis on Thursday over at Bobo's. Larry and Jeff are talking about the Cheryl situation when Jeff uh, gets bumped into by somebody and he spills coffee onto a nearby couch and a guy who's close by grabs some club soda and table salt and he pours the club soda on the the fresh stain and he starts dabbing a little bit and then he pours salt all over and he says that is going to remove the stain (laughs) and larry is amazed by this use of science uh and i I can't blame him honestly yeah it's it's kind of cool yeah, like when later when it does work, I'm I've always been amazed. I remember this part of this episode, and I've always like kind of wanted to try it. Like I don't, I've never had you, a stain and club soda and salt all together in one room. But you always uh, just, you just want to dump some red wine on your couch right now, don't you? I guess I should. Yeah, we have a we have a relatively new couch. It's only months old. I should do yeah, this in front of Sarah. Yeah. Just pour some red wine on it and go. <laughs> don't worry. Um, I'm just gonna write down. Does this work? for next time <laughs> and see if this trick worked because i remember always being amazed at like again i'm jumping ahead just a second because something else happens in this scene but um you know the the salt has turned brown when the guy is sweeping it up later which means that it was soaked out of the i mean it seems like it would work i mean salt you got to get it when yeah. before it dries that's what the guy says and the club soda and the bubbles that's got to loosen it all up and then it it, it pulls itself it's, into the it salt sucks it back in yeah 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 it seems like it would work but but I don't know if it actually does. I could Do you see have this an old something. rug that you can try it on? Um, I was just gonna Google it or look it up on. Oh. Oh, <laughs> but okay. I'll tell you what, we were talking about um, we were talking about TikTok videos. This would be an amazing TikTok if anybody yeah. again, wants that content out there. I'll tell you uh, what, I uh, I just went viral on TikTok. What'd you do? Uh, I asked Jack Black to wish happy birthday to my grandma. I <laughs> gained over a thousand followers from it. I wow. my video is currently at three hundred eighty three thousand views Jeez. and uh, a couple hundred shy of fifty thousand likes. What made it so special? I uh, just I don't know, dude. That's the TikTok <laughs> algorithm. Yeah, I because I just asked Jack Black to make a video and the Jablinski army. I uh, oh. like most of the comments. There's over five thousand comments. Most Jeez. of them are just tagging at Jack Black. Wow, <laughs> but but well, like this is gonna happen. I don't know. I mean, I would love for it to happen, but like, I there uh, 
Jack, at Jack Black, always been a huge fan. This would be so sweet. Do it for the rock and roll. Uh, at Jack Black for his grandma. At Jack Black, please. Um, uh, at Jack Black, technically, I'm your biggest fan, but this would be so awesome to see. Oh, fuck off. Uh, but, like, I, I even pulled out, like, the, the cute points because my gram's name is Honey Ann. And I was like, uh-huh. please, can you just say happy birthday to Honey Ann? And there was a couple people, they're like, her name is Honey. How can you not? <laughs> That's going to be awesome. I hope it's um, Tenacious D Jack Black and not Kung Fu Panda Jack Black. And it's just filled with expletives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Um, that's cool. Well, that's awesome. Plug our, uh, get our, get some more podcast listens. Is your podcast, is the podcast in the bio or anything? Well, I'll I'll tell you what, you have to be over a thousand followers to be able to put a website in. And as soon as I, uh, put the, uh, got the ability to put a website in, I dropped my link tree, which has a link to the podcast. Hell yeah. Um, As the second button. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congrats. And I hope it comes true. You'll have to let us know uh, how that how that turns out. Uh, so Randy the chef comes in to Bobo's and he quits uh, just because of everything. I mean, the, the peanut thing didn't help, but it's just the pressure of the gig. It's going to be a big celebrity hangout and it's going to be reviewed. He just can't stand the pressure anymore. He's not good enough for a restaurant like this. So he walks out. Uh, Ted Danson comes in and finds out about this and he suggests his home chef, Josh and... Larry and Jeff agree that they'll at least give Josh a shot, you know, come over and have a meal over at Ted's just to see how the food is. And uh, then Larry sees that the club soda and salt worked as the guy is just sweeping up some brown salt and uh, the coffee stain is gone from the pillow. Larry's amazed. Over at the, the tennis court, Cheryl and Larry run into Melanie and Ed, who calls Larry Lawrence. And I identify. Oh, I didn't that. even catch that. Yeah, he's like, hello, Lawrence. Something like that. And I, I I I clocked it because it reminded me of the Chris Walken thing that where you give someone the nickname they don't want. You either, you know, give them their full name, like our like our boss has done in the past, like Timothy and Theodore oh. and stuff like that. Um, or you yeah, or you're just, you know, you shorten their name or, or whatever, just just to be unique and, and different and sometimes exhausting, I guess. Uh, but it just reminded me of that. And they have a really awkward exchange. And when they leave, Cheryl deduces that it is because they never got them a wedding gift when they got married. And it's been over a year, too. And so they really have to get them something now. And maybe the awkwardness will go away. Uh, Larry sucks at tennis when they're playing. But he does call out Larry. uh, He does call out Cheryl's disgusting grunting during the game. saying (laughs) It sounds like pigs fucking. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, that just something that I wouldn't imagine saying to my wife, you know? Her, her grunting was pretty pretty intense, though. Yeah, yeah. On every single hit, too. And then Larry starts, and he's like, what do you think of this? <laughs> like, making fun of her. And, and she's like, and I he, don't notice he, it. And Larry does almost like a, a pretty normal tennis grunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's like, doesn't bother me. And then, but, and then he loses the game. Anyway. Yeah, he he, he uh, fouls <laughs> out the next two balls in just trying to prove Cheryl wrong. Yeah. Uh, but at least he got to stop playing tennis because I, I feel like he wasn't enjoying <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, back at home, Cheryl says she wants to go to this play on Friday. She's like, I think oh, I'm going to go check out. Yeah. Ha- hang on, though. Larry what? says he finally found the perfect song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, we kind of get dropped in on one of those, like, apropos of nothing conversations. <laughs> and Cheryl just stares at him. 
and he's like, oh, you don't care about that? If someone told me they found the perfect sock, I'd be very interested, and I'd ask questions, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um, yeah, so Larry's found the perfect sock, but Cheryl's like, I think I'm going to go to that play, Tony and Tina's wedding on Friday. You know, Larry's like, oh, uh, you know, you're just, just going by yourself. I'll, I'll go with you. Why do you want to go? And because she didn't imply that Larry is going with her. And it, it eventually comes out that she, well, first of all, she's like, well, you know, a lot of people are talking about it. Brad's in it. And Larry's like, oh, okay. Uh, and now he uh, does not buy the assumed we that Cheryl, and I also agree with Larry. I think he's catching Cheryl in something here. Um, she's like, no, it was an assumed we that, of course, you were going to come with me uh, to this thing on mm-hmm. Friday. <laughs> but evidently, it's this play where the the actors intermingle with the audience and some of the story, I guess, is told just kind of person to person in the group like you're at actually at this event. Um, I'd never heard of this before, and I'm going to write it down for. But I got in. Uh, there was a, a roommate that I had. This is the second story about my roommate. Same house as the Benadryl guy, different roommate. <laughs> um, he was. You know, he lived in New York for a while and he was an actor and he had heard of this Tony and Tina's wedding thing. I'd never heard of it before. And obviously, like, you know, seeing it in this episode, it's taking place in some random church in the middle of nowhere that doesn't seem like a a Broadway stage. And so I was like, oh, were you ever in it? And he got like so upset because it it was it was like a big deal. It was a big deal play, I guess, in New York and L.A. Mm hmm. I'd never heard of it before. And the fact that I, that I had to ask him if it was in it or not, he took uh, umbrage with, and, and he was like, Oh no, I've never been, I've never been in a Broadway play either. Do you want to know about that? Like he got really, oh, angry. he would always get angry at God. me. All the, he, he fought with everybody. But <laughs> um, Nick, if you're listening, you, I remember that argument. You mean someone who's an actor <laughs> loved starting drama and escalating things. You know, wow. interestingly enough, I never made that connection that he was the most dramatic and, and, uh, escalating out of all of us uh, <laughs> and was the and was the actor at one point um but yeah so i, I don't know how big of a deal this was but now we're finally going to do a, a little dive on tony and tina's wedding next week but as she tries to distract larry with sex she knocks over somebody knocks over on her nightstand some cranberry juice and larry runs for the club soda and salt I loved his acting in this because he's so excited that he gets to do this himself. He forgets all about the sex, which, you know, for someone like Larry, who talks about it the way he does, is a big deal. And he runs for the club soda. He's like, he yells, time is of the essence. <laughs> <laughs> like like an actual scientist would or something like something Thomas Edison would say. Um, and then when he runs back in with the supplies, he's like, I, I hope I'm not too late. That's what oh I hope. I just God. hope I'm not too late. <laughs> <laughs> all, all this time, Cheryl's pissed that Larry's doing this instead of having sex with her. Yeah, yeah. She's she's definitely been iced. Uh, and Larry tries to pick up where he left off, but he's God. denied. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in the few minutes while the salt absorbs the wine, he's like, what? We have a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love how easily he gives up, too. He's like, all right. All right. And then he shifts back into stain mode. You know, once he's like, once he knows it's not going to happen, he's like, all right. And then he stands up and and stares at the stain. I've got to focus. I'm shifting back into stain mode. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, he he gives up on the sex just immediately. Um, And um, honestly, he was probably doing it just to kill the time until the stain was was out. (laughs) But you know what's weird? We never get closure on this, which I'm kind of upset about. Whether the stain came out of this carpet or not. 
Oh, you I know? thought you were going to say like whether or not Sherry, Cheryl and Do Larry they? continue yeah. having marital problems. Do they ever have sex? I don't, you know, we do, don't see do Larry, it. Don't... Do Larry and Cheryl ever fuck? <laughs> we're on HBO. Can't we see full penetration? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but no, I, I, that's something they don't pay off, and I think they definitely should have. Maybe it'll come up later, but I think we've said that for three seasons now, going on three seasons now, and it never does. So... Over, over at Ted Danson's house, Larry and Jeff are meeting Josh, and Larry's upset that Josh knows this is a trial run for a potential gig. But they have dinner anyway, and uh, Jeff loves it, Ted likes it, of course, and Larry is, eh, is what he says. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's all right. He he, he just gives a, a resounding, eh, eh. Okay, may, so- may, maybe a little less uh, unintentionally sexual than I made it sound. <laughs> he, he, he gives it a, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because they don't all agree, Ted, you know, Larry's like, well, we're not giving the job to Josh. And so Ted makes Larry tell Josh that he doesn't get the job. And <laughs> Which Josh is brilliant. Know, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, you tell him. And you think somebody like a sociopath like Larry Davis is going to mind killing someone's dream? No. And the reason he comes up with this is it's too saucy. <laughs> too and saucy. Jo- Josh even asks, is there anything <laughs> else? Yeah. Larry, Larry just goes, no, no. Uh. I mean, that's just, it's not even that the sauce tasted bad. There was just too much of it. Too much of it, yeah. And I, I, I love Josh saying, well, I guess dessert's off the table. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, no, I, I still want dessert. Yeah, Larry, Larry especially, but Jeff going like, oh, no, I like dessert. And then Larry having, again, the audacity to ask for decaf. <laughs> I, I think that was Jeff. I think it well, was they Jeff both do because Larry goes and I'd like some decaf and Jeff goes I'd love some decaf. They both oh like, that's right yeah and Jeff <laughs> Jeff is the one who says I'd love some decaf with some skim milk. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy's still even though the dream is over, uh, it's like like doing an interview and and like finding out in the middle of it you don't get it and still having to go through with some task or whatever. Uh, so Larry and Cheryl are driving a little bit later and Larry wants to drive because he feels dull in the passenger seat. <laughs> God, <laughs> yeah, what a fucking nerd! I know he just—he feels like he doesn't have a personality in that seat. He asks if um, he want, you know, he should sing or if he should put on the radio. And Cheryl's like, "I prefer the radio." And he turns on a tape that Cheryl has in the tape deck, and it's playing Al Green. And it turns out it's a tape from again Cheryl trying to, oh, you know, friend gave it to <laughs> me. Uh, turns out it's Brad, and the song is Al Green's "You Ought to Be with Me." And so Larry, once again, is calling Cheryl out for this whole Brad thing. And she, again, you know, says it's not weird, but Larry is, uh, is, you know, calling her out. Uh, At Room with a View, which was at 1600 Montana Montana Avenue in Santa Monica uh, until 2007, when it closed unexpectedly after 15 years and lots of it, and it closed so unexpectedly that people had ordered merchandise from them and they had to get like the city attorney involved and stuff because they, you know, it closed and they still had these orders outstanding. Like, oh hey, I gave God. you money to order this stuff. And it was a nice ass store. Like people like Meg Ryan, Maria Shriver frequented it. According to surfsantamonica.com and the Lookout News, it's kind of like a neighborhood, kind of like front door before front door. I guess it was due to the weakening economy. You know, 2007, everything was definitely slowing down. So Mm, um, this kind of store that sold $290 teddy bears, $1,200 cashmere throws, $158 baby sweaters, uh, (laughs) and and had a second location in Santa Barbara that also closed, just was, uh, you know, falling out of style around that time. So 
It is now at that corner, kind of the same thing, but a place that is much more affordable. William Sonoma, still overpriced home goods, but uh, you know name brand and chain home goods, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Cheryl can't find anything there she wants to buy, so she's like, "Why don't I go next door? I'll get a bottle of expensive wine instead." And Larry doesn't want to want to go to the wine store, so he just stays to browse. And he's assisted by Laura Silverman. Did you recognize her? No, actually, Sarah Silverman's sister, Laura oh my Silverman, God. from of course uh, the Sarah Silverman program. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure some other stuff. Also, one of the voices I don't know remember whether she's Andy or Ollie, but they provide the voices of those characters on Bob's Burgers. Jesus Christ! No, I didn't even recognize her. Yeah. So I, I guess she's been in some other stuff, too. Yeah, I, I recognize her, of course, from the Sarah Silverman program, which is hilarious if you have not watched it. And I was always just impressed that, you know, they cast sisters at, or, you know, she cast her sister as her sister and it worked so well. Um, it's always a hilarious show. <laughs> have, do you, have you ever watched that? What? Bob's Burgers? No, the oh. Sarah Silverman program. I've seen like a few episodes of it. Yeah, it's, it's just so funny. The Tab episode, I'll recommend, because that, that show gives good <laughs> Steve Agee and Brian Posehn as well as their gay neighbors. Uh, I might do a shallow dive on Laura Silverman, maybe try to figure out where she was, what she was doing in her career at this point. But uh, she is a, she's a saleswoman there, and she's trying to assist Larry, and he's, he just tells her over and over again, I'm browsing, I'm not going to buy anything, uh, and she will not take no for an answer. And eventually, when she does, <laughs> she just kicks Larry out for browsing and not buying anything. Uh, on the ride home with now a $300 bottle, so $100 over what Cheryl said initially was her kind of low-end budget of $200, they got a $300 bottle of wine. Brad calls, and Cheryl remarks almost right away, Larry's in the car, and uh, <laughs> which Larry clocks, and Brad's friend is the chef at Alsace, and he's thinking of leaving. So maybe we all can go to dinner there after the show and you and the other guys from the restaurant can give him a tryout, see if he might be right for your restaurant, which Larry agrees to. And then when he hangs up, Larry does give her a hard time about the Larry's in the car remark. But Cheryl says it's polite uh, and it's what it, you're supposed to say when someone's on speakerphone. Which it is. Yeah. She's not wrong about that. But also, it doesn't look good. Yeah, you suspect. Doesn't look good. You, you yes, sus, suspect. Cheryl. You yeah. sus. And but it 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 is it is true. You're right. And it was interesting that Larry has already been bitten by that because of the Nazi comment in front of Jeff's parents who were on speakerphone. Remember? And like, oh yeah, I can't remember. It's it's very early in season one. But yeah, Larry's already been bitten by that. But he it's at this point that Larry is pulled over by a cop. And he's like, we got a report from a woman who says you're following her in your car. And we find out it's the saleswoman from Room with a View who accuses Larry of some sick revenge and following her home in his yeah. car. Yeah, we, we, we see that they're following a green Volkswagen Beetle, but it's never touched on. Yeah, like, yeah. No, neither Larry or Cheryl bring up that, oh, we're stuck behind this Beetle or anything. And I'm guessing this wouldn't have been visible whenever this episode aired but now that it's being broadcast in hd whenever they are being pulled over you see the beetle from the front view and you see the uh, uh store associate driving the car and at that point before you even hear the cop come up and say what's going on you're like oh yeah, maybe a little too, okay yeah because i think you know because i was clocking that 
Green Beetle. I was like, oh, I was like, look at that. They're they're following the same car. That's kind of weird. I just thought it was a production error or something like that, or just like you know, chase car or something like that. You know, um, for the sort of guerrilla filming that they do. But yeah, I did I did notice that clearer shot of who was inside. That does sort of spoil the joke <laughs> that comes up in a second. Um, yeah, you're probably right about that. And yeah, because she she even threatens Larry that I'm going to get my husband to kick your ass if I ever see you again or something like that. <laughs> yeah, she she's like, uh, you're not afraid of my husband. Oh, you'll be afraid of my husband. Like, <laughs> it, is her husband fucking? Uh, what what was the wrestler's name in season two? Oh, Thor. Thor? Or something? Yeah, Thor. <laughs> that would have been a great reveal if it was Thor was back. That would have been incredible. Yeah, because I kept on trying to guess. Like, I my first guess was that her husband is Brad. And that Brad hasn't told Cheryl that he's oh, married or something like man. that. Yeah, that would yeah. have been incredible. That was kind of what I was thinking. How it was all going to come around, <laughs> but um, so Cheryl and Larry they they are I guess led off by the cop with a warning or whatever. But um, they are in the neighborhood, and so they drop by the Lobes. They're going to drop off the bottle of wine right now, and the Lobes will not accept it at all because it has been one year, and there's a one year cutoff for wedding gifts so they literally cannot take it they say we can't out of here with your made-up rules i agree it's the dumbest thing like no we literally can't accept it like there's a fucking force field at their front door yeah what's gonna happen take the wine yeah what's gonna happen if you take it that's what i want to know like you bring me anything you bring me anything as a gift oh thank you so much i'm taking that shit with me you can give me a first birthday present right now and i'll accept it (laughs) for you or your children yeah yeah exactly but if you want to give me something you meant to give me on my first birthday or even to my mom's baby shower i'll accept it (laughs) i don't know what i'll do with it because it's probably for babies but there's no i have no gift cut i have no etiquette gift cut off now i'll say like i mean i don't know what the etiquette is like you know what let's put this down for next time one year one year gift etiquette is that an actual thing because like i can say yeah larry and cheryl are in the wrong at this point like they don't deserve to be cut off from their quote-unquote friends but if they decide to give the gift they should be uh, ostracized from the society page or whatever happens if you break this rule not the people who accept the gift you should accept the gift but the gift givers if you want to do any shunning at all they're the ones that should be shunned yeah not, the, not accepting a gift like yeah it's just it, it i i like that curb you know they have a good balance of dumb society rules that Larry David wants to call out and good society rules that the character of Larry David does not understand or abide by and is wrong for not doing so you know um and this is one in the first category of dumb society rules that that shouldn't exist that he's right to be you know enraged about because he's like oh you know what you had no problem accepting our engagement gift or the shower gift of the of the nightgown or, go- or going to chicago to your little wedding and he's like apparently he was like you're into us for like 5300 bucks or 5500 bucks or something yeah and and the thing that melanie takes offense to it was not a little wedding we had 266 people there (laughs) like that's the thing that she chose out of what larry just told her i know but like not accepting a 300 bottle of wine a dollar bottle of wine is some rich people shit that's like very close to like just privilege you know like being able to, I, I know like wine is a luxury item anyway, but it really is like rich people shit. Like saying, I will not accept a gift because of this dumb rule. <laughs> it's like really dumb. Uh, and Larry threatens to like smash the wine bottle. I like that. He's like, do you have somebody to clean up the mess I'm about to make? <laughs> <laughs> Which out of context is just a great line to drop on anybody. Yeah, do you have yeah. some, do you have somebody that inside to clean up this mess I'm about to make? Yeah. It's very threatening. 
So over at Faith Tabernacle Assembly of God, which is at 2147 Purdue Avenue in West L.A., it was started in 1924 by an Oklahoma couple. I love learning about all these religions that are like less than 300 years old you know that always like it's really interesting like if you can latch on to one of those because there's something about just being around since bc i guess that just makes a religion much more palatable you know like it's like oh when did your religion start oh uh, 1990 what it's 30 years old <laughs> like what like i know this is 19 or 1924 but that's still relatively recent it's only 100 years old in, in you know a hundred-year-old religion uh, at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, just about they're gonna have a blast out there because it's still around. And started by like an Oklahoma couple who were like living in Oklahoma, and they're like, "We, I think we're supposed to go west and start a church." It's like, uh, yes, that's my religion. That is my religion. Oh my god. <laughs> um, they've been in this building since 1938, apparently, or on this campus anyway. Uh, yeah, I found that I found that pretty amazing. Uh, Larry, that's all I know about it, though. We're not going to do a dive on the Faith Tabernacle Assembly of God. They got a nice little plot there. It is near, I'd noticed on Google Maps, it is across the street from what I think is the wonderful Pistachios office headquarters Ooh. on the side of the building there. I'm like, yeah, wow. You just don't think of like the nut people having having a, a <laughs> nice building in, in LA like that. The West, nut West people. LA, the nut people. Uh, Larry is not wearing a sport coat. I thought this was going to come up later um, because everyone else kind of is wearing a sport coat, but some people aren't. And Larry's like, well, those might be actors. Remember, in this play, she reminds Larry and the audience again, in case you don't remember from the first half of the episode, in this play, the actors mingle with everybody in the crowd. And that's kind of how some of the story is told, uh, from what I understand. So Larry goes to the bathroom, and Brad comes out of the stall in character, this guy, Angelo. And Larry's not really interested in playing along. He calls him Brad, and he's like, oh, you know, uh, hey, just just cut the shit, Brad. I'll, I'll, I'll you know. I'm not into this whole thing. And Larry is not interested until Angelo starts talking about Tina marrying this guy. Oh, she's just marrying Tony for the money. He's doing this like bad Italian accent and he keeps calling him a <laughs> cocksucker. Yeah, this guy's a cocksucker. I, I love the exchange between them. I don't. I, I hope this was improv because it was really brilliant where Larry's like, yeah, that because Larry sort of picks up on what he thinks Brad is doing and he's talking about tony and tina as if they are larry and cheryl saying like oh she she doesn't love this guy she loves she's supposed to be with me she's just with this guy for the money and he's a cocksucker and larry's like oh this guy's a cocksucker and and brad's like yeah he's a cocksucker he's like the guy's a cock they just repeated each each other back and forth and i so as larry like drills home the point that he's picking up what angelo is laying down potentially that brad and and cheryl belong together essentially and I feel like I missed a scene because the next scene I have is that Alsace after the yeah the, that's yeah it. wow I was like I thought there was one more thing but Larry just kind of leaves and and uh, after antagonizing Angelo slash Brad so over at Alsace Brangelo <laughs> he's his own couple's nickname uh, so over at Alsace which is fake ah oh, not boo. I know it looked it looked real they they their C, their sign CGI is getting so much better once I found out it was fake. I was like, whoa, they got me. That sign looks actually like it belongs on that building and not like taped onto film, uh, like physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheryl brought the wine and they open it up. They're going to drink this delicious $300 bottle of wine over dinner. And to that point that when they all have these wine glasses, Larry is shoved by this dude who turns out to be the saleswoman from Room with a View's husband who starts <sighs> threatening Larry with kicking his ass for following his wife. 
and Larry spills wine on Cheryl. Brad calls for club soda and salt, and he starts just pawing at Cheryl's breast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just like... There's like rubbing it in right yeah. into her breast. Like you would a nice pork roast. Like the salt <laughs> especially, just like really just like... And and Cheryl's just sort of like sitting there letting it happen. And <laughs> Jeff and, and Jeff and Ted are also just staring at Larry, uh, Cheryl's chest as well, which I thought was funny. They're just watching her get groped. And then Larry, who's being you know held by his neck scruff, uh, by the shirt, by this husband, is also like trying to arch his neck and look over at Cheryl just being groped by Brad as Frolic starts playing. And that is the end of the episode. All right. What do we got for homework this week? Uh, we got some good stuff, actually. Club Soda and Salt, Does This Work? Uh, Tony and Tina's Wedding, what's the deal with that show? Uh, Laura Silverman, what was she up to around uh, this time in her career and life? And the one-year gift cutoff. What is the punishment for accepting a gift that is one year past due? <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? <sighs> I mean, we I, I fall back on the end shot a lot, but, you know, everyone I, like... It was such yeah. a good shot. Yeah. Oh. Larry and Cheryl and Brad. I mean, that it's, it's really good. Yeah. It may be too good to pass up. I can't think of any, you know, maybe sh- maybe Larry and Brad in the bathroom might be a good one. Uh, they, the HBO definitely thinks Brad's huge face is a good uh, cover art for this episode. <laughs> I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, either either one of those two things, I think. All right, well, let's see what we can do about this week's description. Yes. So we had Larry, Jeff, and Ted scramble to find a new chef when Randy quits following the peanut incident. Um, I can I can lose everything after chef if we can shove in something about, you know, Larry's Larry's suspicious of Cheryl's new friend, and then the chef thing. Is that too? What, what would it? What, what's the first part again? Everything Larry, up to Jeff, chef. Larry, Jeff, and Ted scramble to find a new chef. Comma, yeah. while Larry is suspicious of Cheryl's new friend. Yeah. I think you can take out while. I think you can just say, comma, Larry is suspicious of Cheryl's new friend. I feel like if you take out the while, you got to make it a semicolon, though. Okay. And that may, I don't know, it just makes it seem like it's two episodes. Yeah. Larry, well, then let's let's move it around. Larry Larry's suspicious. I, I just, it, it just sounds like, I mean, it does happen while, but... That makes them sound too connected to me. So maybe Larry is suspicious of Cheryl's new friendship, and he, as, well, as is almost the same thing. Larry's suspicious of Cheryl's new friendship as he, Jeff, and Ted search for a new chef. Does that sound right? Maybe. Say it again. Larry, Jeff, uh, uh, Larry is suspicious of Cheryl's new friendship as he, Jeff, and Ted search for a new chef. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, the episode does works. open with Brad. Not the chef, so that's true. That's very true. There, yeah. All right, Tim. Did you like this episode? I did. It. it, Um. I. I almost want to give it a star low, Mm -hmm. but I might. I I might have to give it some sort of because I think it was better than your average episode, but it was still very average for me. What about you? I, I. I did like it. I didn't like it enough to set it aside from the other episodes yeah yep that's that's the way i agree i was like i'm having a good time but could it be better probably (laughs) it could be better (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
I could be having a better time watching this. So yeah, I, it I like could we be having, having a better time. <laughs> this could be funnier. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like that. Um, yeah, I, I like the way we talk sometimes. Sometimes I wish Larry and Jerry could hear us talk about it. Like this episode could be better. I, I don't know how, but it just could. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I bet they would love to hear that. <laughs> God. Uh, all right. Well, next week. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, we've got season three, episode four, The Nanny. Original air date, October 6th, 20. Wait, I almost said 2022. That hasn't hasn't (laughs) happened yet. October 6th, 2002. If you're looking at TV Guide that night, you're going to see Larry, Cheryl, Jeff, and Susie encounter a nanny from hell while Larry commits a faux pas at a pool party. Interesting. This sounds like we already wrote that. It really does. <laughs> I mean, this I sounds like some... one of ours. <laughs> it already even has the while in it. Uh, yeah, and and the faux pas, like yeah, who I who's know. writing the words faux pas? Faux pas? That sounds like something o- other I'd say, than us. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd say. This is just a jumping off point, but Larry commits a faux pas and blah blah at a pool party. <laughs> yeah, at, <a> pool party. <laughs> at which point I'm just like, mm, I yeah. think we can make it better. <laughs> yeah, and that's when I say. It was just a jumping off point. I didn't want, it wasn't wasn't my final draft. Um, so, all right. I, I, I could see by the cover art we're going to have a special guest star in this episode. I don't know if you noticed uh, her. In, I didn't uh, even get a chance to look at it. Okay. Um, so, that's fun. I don't remember much about anything else. So, um, we'll see. Maybe I'll be surprised by this episode and we'll get another star. Uh, so, yeah. Is that it? I think that is it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good!